John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. This is God's Word. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness of what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. You may be seated. Let me pray for us. God, I do pray that you would come, your spirit would come. For God, if your spirit does not come and you are not here, God, this is nothing but just wind and air and worthless. And so, God, we ask that you come and that you would help us understand and you'd help us understand what it means to be born again. In Christ's name, amen. You know, it's unique. I, I ran into a guy this week. I was actually uh, preparing part of the sermon in, uh, in, in a coffee shop, and a, and a guy came, and, you know, in our course of conversation, he's a pastor here locally, and he, he came to ask what passage I was preaching on. I was telling, you know, John chapter 3, and, you know, got on into it, and he was like, well, you must be an evangelist then. You must have more of an evangelistic bend to you, you know, when you start talking about John chapter 3, and you must be born again. But I, I want you to understand, uh, this particular passage is probably more important for church people for religious people, for people who know the Bible, for people who consider themselves Bible scholars and Christians, this passage is probably more for us than it is for those outside the walls of the church. So as we look at this passage today, think about those things. So we're going to jump right in. It says in verse 1, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, and he was a ruler of the Jews. And one of the things I want you to understand about Jesus, where it says, now there was a man, if you, if you look back a few verses before we get to this passage, there's a group of people, and Jesus is performing these miracles, and they begin to believe in Jesus. It says they begin to believe because of the signs that he had done, and it says that Jesus would not entrust himself to them because that he knew their hearts, and he knew who they were. And I want that to sort of shock you a little bit. There's a belief in Jesus that does not lead to a relationship with God. And I want you to know this. Jesus understands people. Jesus knows mankind. 
Jesus understands the human race better than any preacher, better than any psychologist, better than any counselor. So if you want to understand the complexity of the human life, if you want to understand the complexity of your own heart and understand your boss, your wife, your children, go to Jesus. He knows humanity. It says there was a man and his name was Nicodemus and he was a part of the Pharisees. Now when you and I hear Pharisees, we you know, sort of want to throw up in our mouth, but that, that's not who Pharisees were. And I want you to understand that, that we've gotten this cultural idea of who a Pharisee was all wrong. In fact, in the Jewish culture, he would have been a religious leader. He would have been a pillar in the community. He would have been a sage, a Bible scholar. He would have been someone that you went to if you needed someone to speak wisdom into your life. He would have been one writing all the Christian books that we all read. He'd been someone like a Billy Graham of today or a Tim Keller or an R.C. Sproul. So when we come to Nicodemus and you hear that he was a Pharisee, I want you to understand that he was a leader in the community. He would have been first on your ballot to vote for. Not only is he a member of the Pharisees, but it says he's a ruler of the Jews, and that meant he was a part of the Sanhedrin, the highest court in the land of the Jews. It's sort of like the Supreme Court of today. And we'll see later on that it even says that he was, he was an old man, so he's probably a leader among leaders. He's not just a doctor, he's the, he's the sage of the doctors. And it tells us that this man, he comes and he's seeking Jesus. And he's not seeking Jesus like some of the others of the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin are seeking, trying to trick or trying to... He's sincerely seeking to understand who Jesus is. It says He comes at night. Isn't that how we all, as humanity, come to Jesus in our darkness? Right? That's how we all come to Jesus. And the passage doesn't really tell us if He comes to Jesus because... He um, is afraid that he's going to lose some of his status among the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin. If he's like embarrassed of Jesus or if he just wants a long extended period of time so he can just find out who, who is this guy Jesus. And he comes to Jesus and he doesn't come trying to trick him. He comes with respect and humility and he actually calls him rabbi, which can mean master or teacher or sir, and it's this supreme sort of respect. And he goes on and he calls Jesus teacher and he acknowledges that he's from God and he goes on and says, hey, look, all the signs that you've been doing, Jesus, we understand. There's no way for you to cause blind people to see and raise the dead and on and on and on unless you come from God. This man could stand in the synagogue and out-preach anybody here on planet Earth today. 
His Bible knowledge is second to no one. He knows the Old Testament backwards and forward. He's seeking Jesus, and most likely he, he probably sort of likes Jesus. Acknowledges his work. If ever there's a man's name written in the Lamb's book of life, if you would ask a Jew, Nicodemus was a shoe-in. He was a no-brainer. If anybody's in heaven, Nicodemus is in heaven. But instead, Nicodemus is found outside the doors of the ark when the flood begins. He's found among those of Sodom and Gomorrah when the fire and the ash would rain down. Cain and Esau and Judas. That's where Nicodemus finds himself. And church, if that doesn't shock you, if that doesn't absolutely shock you, then you don't understand what this is saying. Nicodemus thought he was in. Nicodemus thought that he understood the kingdom of God. Nicodemus thought him and God were walking in the cool of the day like Adam before the fall. It says, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, Nicodemus, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Pay attention, Nicodemus. Listen up. Put on your big boy pants. I'm about to destroy what you think about the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, I don't care if you have a resume that makes Abraham and Moses and Paul himself look bad. You don't have a snowball's chance of entering the kingdom of God unless you're born again. You see, salvation, the new birth, is something done in us. It's something that's done to us. It's done for us, and it's something that we can't do for ourselves. That's why all of our evangelistic efforts, that's why all of our engagement with our neighbors should start with fervent, fervent prayer. It should start on our knees, begging God to do what He did for us, and that's open our eyes to see the kingdom of God. Jerem Barr says this, the life that we can make, the, the belief that we can make our own way to God is the highest of arrogance, the most persistent of all of our sins. It is so persistent that we are dumbfounded when we are told we cannot. And Nicodemus, he's shocked. He's shocked 
that he's not a part of the kingdom of God. Jesus knows that unless a broken humility comes into the human heart, there never surfaces a cry for mercy. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about the Syrophoenician woman. She understood the kingdom of God. She cried, mercy, mercy, mercy. Nicodemus says back to Jesus, how can a man be born when he's old? You see, Nicodemus is a lot like us. He's so religious. He's so earthy. Physical-minded. He's so ethnocentric. He's so Jewish. that He doesn't even understand what Jesus is saying. And the whole point of what Christ is saying is the same thing that Ben was sharing a few weeks ago when he talked about the rich young ruler and how it says it's easier for a rich man to easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. And they say, well, who, who then can be saved? And that, that's the point. That's, that's the point of what Jesus is saying here to Nicodemus. Is he's wanting Nicodemus to say, Man, then then who can be saved? Then who, who can go to heaven? Who's gonna make it? That, that's the point of you must be born again. Nicodemus is still not understanding what Jesus is saying. And Jesus just keeps coming back and he keeps saying, listen up, Nicodemus. Listen up one more time and let me say it again for you. I say to you, unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, if you just know your physical birth into the Jewish nation, you do not know the kingdom of God. I don't care if you know Abraham and Isaac and all their lineage. So it's not enough just to be born into ethnic Israel. I want you to think about this. I think this particular verse in verse 5 is just talking about the natural birth in other words, we're born as people, as humans, in the flesh, and then we're born of the Spirit, which is a supernatural. But I want you to think about those two births, and I want you to think about this. I want, I want you to just stop for a minute and think about what you had to do with your natural birth. Did you decide what parents you were going to get? Did you decide how many siblings you were going to have? Were you going to have brothers or sisters? Do you decide your birth order? Is that something that you voted on, decided? Be born in America? You know what a privilege it is to be born in America? Do you understand the rest of the world? If you go to a place like Dwayne, then you, you start understanding your skin color, your ethnicity. You almost had nothing to do with everything that shapes your life. You ever thought about that? You've almost had nothing to do with everything that shapes your life. And you know what that should do to us? That should make us humble. Humble. 
humble people. Really humble. You know, I think about just people who are born athletic. I played baseball, and I'm like, well, what kind of athlete would I have been if I didn't have arms? You know? I mean, we all think we just sort of get there by working hard. Romans 2, chapter 28, I mean, verse 28 and 29. Maybe Nicodemus heard this verse after he had this conversation with Jesus, and this is what it says. It says, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly. In other words, no one is in the kingdom of God just because he's a Jew. Nor is circumcision outward or physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit. Not by the letter, or not by works. His praise is not from man, but from God. Nicodemus, being a part of God's kingdom has everything to do with the new birth with the supernatural birth of God. John 1.13 says this, Who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but born of God. Verse 6 goes on and says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And verse 7 says, Don't marvel that I said you must be born again. Nicodemus, why are you so shocked? That's what Jesus is asking. Why, why, why are you so... Why does this marvel you, Nicodemus? Why, why are you shocked at this? Have you missed all the passages in the Old Testament, Nicodemus? Have you missed so many passages that I gave you in the Old Testament? Think about Ezekiel chapter 36. It says that he would take our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh and he would put his spirit in us. Listen to Psalms 51. This is David, the greatest king of all of Israel. A man after God's own heart. Listen to what he says, Nicodemus. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out all my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. It goes on to say, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. One of the things about that, that you there in verse 7 is it's really y'all. It's really in the plural. So it's basically saying, You all must be born again. The only thing that Adam can reproduce is more little Adams. Sinners. All of us. 
And Jesus is trying to get Nicodemus to understand you must be born again. And the point of verse 8 is it talks about talks about the wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound and you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So is, is everyone born of the Spirit. And just the point of that is that God is in heaven. Nicodemus, God is in heaven and He does whatever He pleases. That's what it means to be God. And again, Nicodemus is shocked. He's shocked. He says... How can these things be? How can this be? And what I want you to understand is that Jesus is just destroying Nicodemus' doctrine and his theology. He's just destroying it. Nicodemus' theological empire is just coming to ruins. Everything that he's ever believed is just being tsunamied. It's like, have you ever seen some of the videos of the people standing high up on the shores of Japan and you see the tsunami coming in? It's like Nicodemus is standing up there and all of his Tower of Babels are just being swept away. All the things that he finds hope in, all the reasons that he thought he was going to heaven, God is just washing them away. And it's just washing them away and he's just standing there with his jaw dropped wide open saying, how did I miss the kingdom? Everything he's believed in about God and his kingdom is collapsing. Has this ever happened to you? Has that ever happened to you? Have all the things that you've hoped in been swept away? And you're just left there on the seashore crying, God, mercy, mercy. Mercy. Do you know that that you know what that, that's all it takes to be saved? God, mercy, mercy, mercy. And what I'd say, even as Americans, it's hard to enter the kingdom of God because we have so much. We have so many towers to hope in. Jesus goes on and answers him. Nehemiah, are you the teacher of Israel and you don't understand this? It's like Jesus saying, Nicodemus, this is, this is kingdom of God 101. This is humanity 101. Nicodemus. This week, as I was preparing for this message, I came across a, a Johnny Cash video. Some of you may not even know who Johnny Cash is. He's an American singer and songwriter, guitarist and actor. He's, he's sold like nine million records worldwide. He's done a lot of famous songs. But he has this one song, and he, he, he did it about six months before he died, and it's a song from 
Nine Inch Nails, and it, it's just the video and stuff's just called Hurt. I want you to just go listen to it, but I'm going to read you some of the lyrics. It says, I hurt myself today to see if I still feel. I focus on the pain, the only thing that's real. The needle tears a hole, the old familiar sting. Try to kill it all away, but I remember everything. It says, what have I become, my sweetest friend? Everything I know goes away in the end. And you could have it all, my empire of dirt. For I will let you down and I will make you hurt. Full of broken thoughts, I cannot repair. Beneath the stains of time, the feelings of despair. You know, something that Johnny Cash understood that Nicodemus didn't at the time. He was broken. He's broken. And in the video, as an old man, he, Johnny Cash is sitting at this table just to food, and he's pouring out this wine glass as his hand shakes, and he's saying, you can have it all, all my empire of dirt, because in the end, it all goes away. And at the end of the song, it says this, if I could start again a million miles away, I would keep myself. I would find a way. But you know that's not true. You know, Johnny Cash, he struggled through life with drugs, and I, I, I really think he was born again at the end of his life. But the lie is this, if we had it all to do again, a million miles away, that we would do it different, and we would find a way. We wouldn't find a way. And we would mess it up once again because we need a Savior. That's our only hope. That's our only hope. Do you believe that? Do you believe that our only hope is Jesus? Jesus goes on in this conversation with Nicodemus. And basically, he's like, Nicodemus, if, I'm, if you can't even understand these earthly things that I'm sharing with you, if you can't even understand Salvation 101, in verse 11 and 13, he's like, Nicodemus, what are you going to think when I start telling you that I am God in the flesh? What are you going to do, Nicodemus, when I tell you that I am the one spoken of in Daniel chapter 7? Nicodemus, that I am your maker, I am your God, and I sustain your every breath. What are you going to do with that, Nicodemus? What are you going to do, Nicodemus, in verse 14 of this chapter, when I tell you that just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him will have eternal life? What are you going to believe, Nicodemus, when I tell you the only way into the kingdom is if God is raised on a Roman cross and is slaughtered for your sins? He 
You see, humanity's always needed saving. Ever since the fall, all of mankind has been rebels. God has always had to provide supernatural ways to rescue His people. That verse 14 is a reference back to Numbers 21. God's people had rebelled against Him in the, in the wilderness and had basically rebelled against the leadership that God set up and God sent these serpents to bite them. But then God had mercy. And He said, Moses, if you'll take, a, take this serpent and you'll make it and you'll hold it up and everyone who looks to the serpent, the poison will not have an effect on them. You know, we as mankind have a poison coursing through our souls. And it's sin. And we all try to cover it up. Every one of us, the preacher, the priest, I don't care who you are. But the truth is, it's coursing through our souls. And the only hope that we have is to look to God's provision who was lifted up on a cross and cry mercy. Mercy. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed all the neighbors that we've talked about that understand how lost they are? Do you, understand, do you see how all of them cry mercy? Like they all just cry mercy. They all just fall on their knees and cry mercy. The blind men, the widow, the Canaanite, mercy, mercy. It's, all, it's only the religious people that walk away sad because they're so proud. We're so proud that we don't think we need mercy. But the only way to get into the kingdom of God is to say, mercy. Mercy, God. Mercy. How shocked are you going to be, Nicodemus, when I start talking about the resurrection? You see, the most shocking news about this story is not you must be born again. The most shocking thing is the way that you're born again is by God hanging on a cross. I hope we understand and hear these things tonight. Because we can have all the Bible knowledge. You can win many, many people to Christ in a lifetime. You can come to church every Sunday. You can come to the Lord's table every Sunday and still not be born again. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for 